What's up, everybody? Before we jump into today's podcast, just want to jump in real quick and remind you you can find me, your host, Philip Jordan, on social media and where all you can find the podcast. Of course, you can find me on social media at PJordanSCC, and you can find a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means a lot. If you review, we'll read it on a future edition of the show. And of course, you can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. And now let's jump into today's show. Everybody joining me today on the show is Brent Sobleski, Bleacher Report NFL analyst. And uh, Brent, we were just talking off the air. It's been a while since we talked, but uh, I do appreciate you you coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having me as always. And uh, it feels like the last time we had our conversation, we weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. And we've <laughs> gone through a lot of ups and downs just in a very short amount of time. And furthermore, it does feel like it's been about two years since we spoke with everything that has gone on. But thankfully, we still have football. We've got to watch a lot of it. And the NFL has been relatively good in keeping everyone as healthy as they possibly can. Yeah, it is quite a contrast between what happens with the college game and the NFL game. Of course, the college game is a little different. College campus, everything to the NFL. So, uh, you know, overall this year, I mean, what's been your, your I don't know, I don't want to say grade, but just your, your take on how the NFL has handled everything with, you know, with COVID and getting these games in and everything. Well, I mean, it's it's a difficult situation because no matter what you do, you can't prevent outbreaks. It's it's mm-hmm. impossible, and we and I know that's something we discussed previously that we expected something to happen because it's a virus. This isn't something that's for no matter what people want to argue politically or anything like that that is affecting everyone at every in every part of this this globe. And so, I, I applaud the NFL for doing everything they possibly can in their power to make this a, make the game as safe as it possibly can for players, coaches, families and everything of that ilk. But at the same time, you know, there's there's flaws. There there are issues potentially looking at like the incubation period uh, that we've come to know that takes a few days before you'll actually test positive even though that you're a carrier at that time and that's one some of the results we've seen outbreaks uh, around certain players as a result within certain teams and you know, the only thing I would have said personally that I thought they mishandled was the Tennessee Titans situation. I thought that if the players knowingly went out of their way to to rebuke NFL guidelines, that they could, should have potentially, um, uh, you know, conceded that contest. They allowed them to play after moving around the schedule. But other than that, I think the NFL has done a good job overall, just trying to do what is what just what they can to continue the season keep it on track relatively speaking even though there's been some games moved around and just having having football which i think a lot of people appreciate right now yeah absolutely it's uh it's just the fact that we've got it i uh, appreciate that so i'm not one that uh it's been complaining when things get moved around or flipped upside down and all that stuff just glad to have it and uh and everybody that's the yeah. last one. we will talk about the virus we're now going to get into the football conversation i know people get tired of that sometimes too uh, I, no, I, I get it, but it's, I mean, it's prevalent every day. Yeah. I mean, yesterday or, or yesterday, two days ago, we saw Baker Mayfield there be around a positive case. So he's not in practice. Today, we saw Ben Roethlisberger being around a positive case. He's not in practice. I mean, these are having real life 
repercussions, not just on the field, but outside mm-hmm. of it as uh, off of it as well. And so I know we don't want to talk about it. I know it's infiltrating everything, but at the same time, you always have to keep a side eye on what's occurring just so to make sure that everyone that is dealing with these situations are being safe. And I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be blatantly honest with you. I will be uh, as forthright as I possibly can. I'm me and my family are currently in quarantine. The school here in my area um, with my children and my wife's a teacher is shut down at the moment because of an outbreak. My uncle who is currently in the hospital and being treated with multiple different um, remedies to help him because he's been there all week. So I know what it's like, man. I understand what everyone's going to. I, I, I have it personally. And as much as we want to say that it's going to go away and that it's, 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 we're making a bigger issue out of it than it is, that's just unfair to so many people who are out there mm-hmm. who are trying to do the best that they can but are still dealing with this virus. Oh, definitely. I've got family members right now that have been going through it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I think it does, when it hits you, it hits you differently because then you're kind of, okay, you know, it's, it, you know, it's anything. It's going to hit yeah. you a little bit harder when it does hit you where you live. And, uh, as you know, I say, I say at the end of every podcast, do I say, everybody, please do the right things this week. You know, just, you know, a little thing like that. I'm not trying to get preachy, just, you know, just, you know, just let's do the right things and let's, you know, kind of get through this all, all together. And, uh, I hope everything goes well and, you know, prayers and thoughts with uh with your family there brent you know as y'all you know are handling uh this situation with the virus and uh you know i guess you try to transition to what is going on i did see your tweet on uh saturday morning i saw your tweet from friday about uh you quarterback zach wilson of course you know i know you're a big nfl draft guy uh just uh when you look mm-hmm. at him you said it's not a three quarterback race in this year's next year's draft it's now four with zach wilson uh just you know what have you seen from him at byu that's really impressed you I think the things, the two things you've seen from him that uh, show that he can be a top-notch NFL quarterback prospect is, one, his efficiency within that offense, how he's essentially shouldered the load with BYU. Yes, they have a good running game, but at the same time, it's not like they have marquee players at every position. In fact, his top target, which was their senior tight end, Matt Bushman, is out for the year with an ACL injury. So you take that out of the equation, and yet he's still arguably the best quarterback in college football right now. And, yes, I said the best quarterback in college football right now. That doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best prospect, but just the way he's playing on a Saturday-by-Saturday basis. And you consistently see him create plays. And that's really, in today's NFL, the biggest difference between what we saw from current quarterbacks compared to the – to the older generation. I mean, you watch what Tom Brady and Drew Brees does, for example, and I know we're going to get to that topic later. It's completely different than what we're seeing with a Kyle, Kyler Murray, a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, and so on and so forth. And being able to, and I'm not saying Zach Wilson's at the same level as them um, from an athletic standpoint, but being able to create outside of structure, to show different throwing angles, to show that you can make plays when everything's breaking down around you and stay calm, cool, and collected when when pressure is getting to you and I think Wilson has shown those qualities to really make him not only a top-notch quarterback prospect but a potential top 10 selection yeah and with him you know I've watched some games too I think it's unfortunate for him maybe for fans wise because I feel like BYU has played a lot of late night games from the east coast that's always a worry Mm -hmm. trying to get people to see these guys especially you've seen that before in you know with the Pac-12 and stuff with some of their better players they've had yeah, yeah, that's one. <laughs> so we're going to get to him in a little bit. But it's it, when you see them play, and I watched a lot of them play uh, when they play Troy because I'm I'm not 
far from Troy, so I have an interest in what Troy Trojans do. And he's very impressive, and he has the ability to move. And I like the headband. and gets a little throwback to Jim McMahon, old BYU. Uh, <laughs> reminder for any of our old school fans out there. So it's just intriguing to see him play. And uh, and uh, I'm really interested. These last two games they have, I mean, they only have two games left their schedule, North Alabama, San Diego State. You know, and I guess too, I'll ask you this. And my worry is you're going to see people out there, well, they didn't play anybody. I think you, you got to look beyond that. It's, you know, especially him individual as a prospect, just see how he looks on the field, not necessarily the names of the teams that they're playing. Agreed. And context is important, right? Look, if you, if we, if this season was going as planned, which obviously it isn't because of everything that's going on uh, through the nation and throughout the world. BYU's schedule would look so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. they had a stacked schedule against ACC, Pac-12 teams, and so on and so forth. They were going to play one of the most difficult schedules in college football, period. And unfortunately, because of the way the most of the, the big Power 5 conferences scaled back, taking away their games out of conference contests, that it really hurt BYU. And so it was important, for example, when they played Boise State this past week and rang up 51 points on a top 21 uh, team. And that shows how quality this BYU team is and where Wilson stands in his overall performance. Because you're correct in stating that, yes, you want to see players play against the best opposition. Now, there's no denying that whatsoever. But at the same time, when it comes to evaluations, you can evaluate individuals separate of their surroundings based on what they're accomplishing and how, and how they're executing. And so with Wilson, that's why I mentioned his efficiency, that he's slowly picking apart teams and taking big, uh, big shots downfield and doing so accurately and within the context of the offense. And then on top of it, when things do break down, he is capable of creating big plays there as well. And that's what's really important with his ability and why it should translate. It's no different, for example, than looking at Trey Lance, who most, most, if not everyone, had as a potential top-ten pick from North Dakota State. That's one double-A. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're going to be playing top-end talent week in and week out. So what do you want to see from him? Do you want to see how he continues to progress as a passer? you want to see how his running ability affects the, the offense overall and how it can be utilized at the next level? These are all things that can be, that can be evaluated with, in a vacuum to best assess what they can be at the next level. Oh, most definitely. And uh, I wanted to jump over to two quarterbacks you did name there, the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay All-Stars, as I guess they want to refer to themselves now. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, Tam- uh, New Orleans, they've got Tampa Bay's number, it seems like, this year. They beat them in the opener 34-23, and really the Saints' offense really didn't look great that game. And then this past Sunday night, the marquee game of the weekend, they beat them 38-3. Tom Brady's got five interceptions against the Saints. Just uh, When you've seen these two teams match up, uh, what is it about the Saints that's kind of giving Tampa Bay trouble right now? Continuity matters. Mm-hmm. Continuity matters. And I know we do it every single year. We do it every single year. And I'm not trying to be repetitive in my responses, but I'm just trying to drive home points here. When it comes to how everyone gets excited about whoever quote unquote wins the off season. We're always placing undue expectations on them before they ever go out to prove themselves. I mean, the reigning Super Bowl champion Cleveland Browns, wait, that's that that's not right. That that didn't work out that way. And <laughs> while it's obviously very different, I'm being facetious when comparing last year's Browns bringing Odell Beckham and so on and so forth to this year's Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski and so on and so forth. The same the same 
thing still applies to, to a lesser degree. You still need to go into, you're still bringing in key performers at vital positions that have to, one, get used to a new system, two, get used to a new coaching staff, three, get used to a whole new surroundings from a personal perspective. And that's not easy, and it takes time. It takes reps. It takes, it takes uh, just time together on and off the field to really fulfill your potential. And with Tampa Bay, yes, they've been pretty good overall, but at the same time, when you're playing someone like the New Orleans Saints, who's been the, uh, the cream of the crop when it comes to the NFC South for multiple years, it's difficult to usurp that throne when they have a quarterback and a coach who have been together for, what, 15 years. They have guys like Cameron, jo- or Cameron Jordan. They have one of the best offensive lines that's played together for years, and, th- and that gives them a distinct advantage. Now, I do see Tampa Bay as a playoff team, but I never once viewed them as a Super Bowl candidate until I could see them come together fully. And to make matters worse, you're still adding pieces. Mm-hmm. You added Leonard Fournette right before the season began. So you have to start working him in and how he's going to be in your rotation. Now you go out and sign Antonio Brown. They're throwing a lot into the mix very quickly. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to work. And I think we saw that when they faced the, the Saints. And that game was over essentially after the first quarter. Yeah, and, and I'm going to admit something here that I have posted on social media at the beginning of the year. I uh, I was pretty much accusing of Drew Brees of being done, and I want to apologize uh, <laughs> first up. Uh, and look, I, and I'm not going to go all the way back. I'll take back everything I said. I do believe he, he cannot push the ball down the field anymore, but that's not really what the Saints offense is anyways. It's, it's a lot at the line of scrimmage, yeah. the short passes, let the playmakers do their deal. Oh. When you've seen people say that about Drew Brees this year and you see kind of how this team has turned around, which that, that one and two start was not on the offense or him. That was really on the defense. And the defense seems to be picking it up these last few weeks as well. Uh, with the Saints, where have you seen with them this year, especially offensively with Drew Brees, you know, how they how they, you know, really moved the ball well with the style of offense that they play and um I guess defense too, where do you see this team headed as the rest of the season? Well, it's not just uh, the defense. I mean, you have Michael Thomas gone for basically half your season so far, and that's a huge weapon within your scheme in general. Uh, everyone knows he's going to get the ball, but he's still going to get open. He's still going to catch it. And the, when you have that reliability at that position, it can't be replaced once that player's gone, uh, whether it be through injury or whatever means. And so looking at it, now getting him back for one game and then throughout the rest of the season, that's going to be a huge boost. Having Alvin Kamara healthy, which he hasn't been all season, Again, I mentioned the offensive line because I think it's important when you watch them against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has one of the most aggressive fronts, defensive fronts in football. And Todd Bowles, generally speaking, likes to blitz. They, now, they didn't, uh, didn't consistently against the Saints. They decided to drop back more in zone because they felt that they can get potential pressure with their front three or four and then try to confuse Breeze. Obviously, that didn't work. And that's essentially what it boils down to, right? That you have a maestro at quarterback. And I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. I want to say it's some between 75 and 80 percent. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to go look it up. But the majority, the vast majority of passes are under 10 to 15 yards in the NFL, anyways. So you don't necessarily need Drew Brees to consistently drive the ball downfield. You just need to have that threat every once in a while. And so if he can find opportunities when they present themselves, it will help stretch out the defense a little bit. But the most important aspect is that he remains his most efficient self with his uncanny accuracy 
to consistently distribute the ball to all the different offensive playmakers that New Orleans has, whether it is Thomas or Kamara or Jared Cook or Emmanuel Sanders or Trey Smith and so on and so forth, that makes them very dangerous because you know from where their foundations build up front, Breeze is going to have time most in most occasions to deliver the football, and he's smart enough and accurate enough to do so consistently. And so as long as a defense can't just essentially get them out of rhythm – they're difficult to beat just because they're so smart and so used to playing within that system. And that's really what gave them a major advantage over Tampa Bay, who kind of went away from their strength, which was being one of the most aggressive defenses in the NFL going into that game. Yeah, because you saw a lot with the when they played the Packers, and that's kind of where you know my next thing is going. You know, when you look at the NFC overall, I guess if you have a quarterback that's over thirty five years old or close to the forty, uh, yes, you're going to have an elite team in uh, twenty twenty because it seems like the three best teams in the NFC all have that. And I mean, of course, I'm joking, but uh, with the Packers, um, are, are are in their in your opinion, are they up there with those teams? Are they contenders uh, the rest of the way? Well, the NFC is not as difficult as the AFC at the moment. I mean, you have the Steelers and, and the Chiefs right at the top, and they're probably the two best teams in the NFL right now. The Ravens, while they haven't beaten either of those two squads, are just a step behind them. Titans at 6-2, and two, Raiders playing well as of late, Buffalo 7-2. and two. So there's some real competition in, in the AFC. The NFC's again, we're going to just – we're just going to forget about the NFC least because no one gives a, <laughs> gives a hoot about any of those four teams at the moment. You have Green Bay, and yes, they're quality, but there's still major question marks. Um, mm-hmm. One, they're thin at running back at the moment, uh, with Aaron Jones being dinged up, still playing well, but dinged up. Then you had two, two, their two backups on COVID recently on the COVID list, so they need to reintegrate them back into the rotation and how they want to utilize them. Devontae Adams is absolutely amazing. He's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But at the same time, who's your second target? And that's really been the major question of Green Bay for, oh, God, all offseason into this season is where is that second secondary threat going to come in the passing game? First, it was the running backs and, and tight end Robert Tunyon. But they don't have a true wide receiver, too, in that scheme. And it really makes – things difficult because you know as good as Devonte adams is the defenses are going to continually ro- roll rotations in his manner so you need someone on the backside of him <clears throat> excuse me that can be one-on-one matchups and they just don't have that guy so that's that's the one major question mark that's been lingering for months upon months in green bay defensively they can be better as well they have been inconsistent against a run for example um but where's the competition coming from the chicago bears as good as they are defensively that that offense at times is a crime against humanity. You look at the Vikings, they're getting better. They won uh, their two last games, and Dalvin Cook's been running wild, but they're still at 3-5, and five, so it's not like they're a major contender yet. The Saints, fantastic, that for all the reasons we stated earlier. The Buccaneers still coming together. The Seahawks, you would think, are every bit as good as anyone else in the NFC, but their defense is non-existent. I mean, literally, it's the yeah. worst defense in the NFL, and it's not getting any better. The only other team that I, I would look at that has the potential to really shoot above everyone was maybe the Cardinals if Tyler Murray takes off with with his surrounding cast. So it's that's the thing with the NFC is uh, the point I'm trying to get at. Everyone you're discussing, there's question marks and there's things that can go wrong very easily for them this season that will drop them down a rung or two comparative to everyone else in the in the conference. 
Yeah, and that's what makes it fun on Sundays watching these games because and as we head into, you know, whenever the playoffs do get here, it's going to be interesting on that side. And it all, I guess lastly, too, jumping over to the AFC, and you have the Steelers sitting there. We talked about Ben Roethlisberger, of course, you know, on Monday, um, on Tuesday when we're recording this, uh, you know, he is on the COVID list uh, with the Steelers and among other players with with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they're sitting at 8 0. But you kind of look at the Steelers, you see they're 8 0. But if you watch them, it's like they're not complete, which, you know, none of these teams are. I know there's no uh, team without no. flaws. But they are 8 0. Of course, they struggle with Dallas, who is playing uh, Garrett Gilbert, their quarterback, a former Alliance uh, member. And then. They had the game with the Ravens where they struggled for a half, and then they almost let Tennessee Titans come back on them there. But they already know they're winning games. But then you got the Chiefs, of course, with one loss, and you got the Ravens as well. So when you look at the AFC, I mean, the Steelers, when they stack up against those teams, are they the best in AFC right now, or is it one of them deals where you still got to give it to the Chiefs, the defending champions? Well, I am a huge proponent of what the great philosopher Ric Flair always said. To be the man, woo! You got to beat the man. So with that said, <laughs> <laughs> with that Love said, it. I do, I do think the Steelers are right there, and if not above them, but right in the same conversation as as the Chiefs. And the reason why is very simple: it's not because of Roethlisberger. It's not because of how many sacks they get. It's not because of all the weapons they have off on offense. They are simply the most physical team in the NFL. Period. They physically dominate you, particularly in the trenches. They have linebackers that come downhill and will light your ass up <laughs> if, if, if they're able to shoot the gap. And I'm, and that's what's been the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, they took, they probably took Dallas a little lightly. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. But in today's NFL, almost every game or every team has that hiccup throughout the season. I mean, let's not forget the, the Baltimore Ravens were 14 and two last year, and they they lost to the Cleveland Browns by letting the letting the Browns drop a 40 burger on them. So it's not like uh, one game is going to be a telltale sign for your entire campaign. And so when I see what a guy like Cameron Hayward, a guy like Stephon Tuitt, uh, what they do on a consistent basis to grown men on the other side of the ball is just utterly amazing. Furthermore, you have a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick who's playing as well as basically anyone in the NFL. I, I likened him to Ed Reed on social media, and I know that's probably blasphemous for most people, but his instincts right now, the way he's playing, are just legendary. He is around everything. He is making plays each and every game. It is something to behold and just mind-boggling that the Miami Dolphins couldn't find a way to utilize him properly. The Steelers have. They've benefited greatly. And that defense is playing very, very well, despite a couple hiccups the last two weeks. Now, the question I have about them is very simple. Is Ben Roethlisberger going to stay healthy? I mean, let's take the fact that he's on the COVID list out of the equation. He was banged up coming out of that Dallas game, left shortly before the second quarter ended. He's got basically a, a sore knees. And if, if, that, if those knees start bothering him, if that elbow starts bothering him, starts bothering him at any point, then that's going to be problematic because we know the Steelers, as good as they are everywhere else, aren't good enough with Mason Rudolph to lead them to the playoffs or beyond. And so I think that's the real question mark is just keeping Ben Roethlisberger healthy. healthy. And if they do, they're a legit Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I think you saw it just for a few plays that Rudolph was in there. That is a complete drop-off when he comes into the game from what Big Ben is with that team. I mean – so think about it, man. Why why did they not invest something, anything, in the quarterback position behind uh-huh. Roethlisberger? I don't understand it. It's, it was one of the most 
uh, just utterly baffling things that occurred this offseason, you know, aside from Dallas not paying Dak Prescott and and the Houston Texans trading DeAndre Hopkins. Beyond those things, which were the worst moves of the offseason, Pittsburgh not doing anything a quarterback is definitely up there. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I know he's interception prone. I mean, the, thir- the king of the 30-30 club, but, I mean, Jameis Winston would have been a good pickup for them because at least you do have a Agreed. guy that Agreed. that could that has shown that he can do some things if he gets the turnovers out of his system. Uh, he, he he can be a good quarterback at times. He still, I think he still has the ability. So with those weapons in Pittsburgh, and you know they're going to run the ball, it's not all on your shoulders. I mean, he would have been a great guy that could have learned under Big Ben and could have been a guy if Big Ben gets hurt, you have a guy you could put in there and you could say, okay, we can win this game because you can't feel that way with Rudolph. No disrespect to him, but you just can't feel that way when he comes into the game that you have a chance to win with him at quarterback. I, I agree 100%. Or even take a flyer on someone like Josh Rosen. Yeah, we mm-hmm. know he's had his problems, but this, that was a top 10 pick just recently. So put him in a put him in a, a secure situation where he doesn't have to worry about being the guy or being thrown into the fire and that could have been a really nice fit there as well. Just any type of move because we knew last year what we saw there was there was no way Rudolph or at the time uh, Duck Hodges uh, was able to really going to be able to move them forward beyond anything i understand they have a lot invested in ben roethlisberger he's their guy and so on and so forth but man long-term planning you would think a team as stable as the steelers would have a better idea of how to do so especially at the game's most important position yeah and hey the guy on the other side you could have had garrett gilbert i think he's a step up over uh uh uh, Rudolph and all them but you know it is you know it is what it is but I know you were a fan of the Alliance I was a fan of the Alliance I was happy to see him play on on Sunday and I think he really played well uh, for the Cowboys and knowing that situation too so I did and you know what the pride of the Orlando Apollos is, he's a player that deserves to be in the league and it was a smart move by Dallas it really was mm-hmm. yes they had Andy Dalton but uh, he was or no, I'm going to say Gabbard Gilbert was sitting on the Browns practice squad, and they liked him a lot. They didn't want him to leave. They had him protected every single week. Um, but there's that new rule that you can protect players, but it's only after two after Monday every week. If there if, if a team contacts you Monday, they are allowed to sign you, and that's how Dallas got got out from under it. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just hope you know he gets another opportunity down the road. Like I said, he did play well on Sunday against the Steelers against that defense too. But anyways, uh, Brent, uh, I probably kept you. I know I told you 20. I think I've got you at 25 minutes now. Uh, so uh, I do appreciate you coming on the show. As always, it's always good to talk all things NFL and draft-related stuff with you. But if uh, the listeners want to follow you online, where they find you and uh, your work over at Blitz Report? Yeah, it's very simple. You can always find me on Twitter at Brent Sobleski, S-O-B-L-E-S-K-I. Um, I, all my work shows up on Bleach Report's regular site, whether you – download the app or, or just look on your old cpu I, i'm there constantly so uh it's just same old same old it's the season it's plugging away it's enjoying football and that's really really nice to have considering the last time we had this conversation we weren't quite sure how things were going to work out yeah absolutely absolutely you are correct on that one and uh, we were wondering what kind of season if we would have a season so it's all great every every week i'm just thankful that we do have it we do have football to watch both saturdays and sundays and uh, once again brent uh one hope uh you and your family uh y'all are y'all were good uh stay healthy and uh and with everything going on and uh once again i do appreciate you coming on the show and i hope we can do this again sometime down the road 
I appreciate it, and thank you for having me as always, good sir. And everyone out there, please stay safe and be conscientious of others.